Honest, open, and vulnerable may contain adult language and material that is not suitable for listeners under 18. This is a stream of consciousness podcast that delves into an eclectic mix of topics. Audience discretion is advised. And you are listening to episode 88 of Honest, Open, and Vulnerable. My name is Matthew. I'm Scarlett. And this is Ryan. Um, You definitely encourage uh, audience participation and feedback. Easy way to do that is post a comment on our website, hovpodcast.net. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash honest.open.vulnerable. And you can find me on Instagram. That's right. We're changing it up here. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Colonel underscore Tux. That's K-E-R-N-E-L underscore T-U-X. And you can find me at H-O-V podcast. Excuse me. You can find us at H-O-V podcast. Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, and you can find my blog at inscarletstorm.wordpress.com. And you can find me on Instagram at the Fuchsia Lady. That's T-H-E-F-U-C-H-I-A-L-A-D-Y. And you can also reach our podcast at hovpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail for us at 231-846-8420. And for longtime listeners who have heard my voice, you can find my Instagram at Matthew Scribbles. And as you can know, as you can definitely tell, we have ch- definitely changed up our intro. So no, don't no no need to adjust your audio dials. We've changed it up. So as as we men- mentioned in our previous episode, there are uh, ch- change there are changes changes to be made. So and act- actually the Matthew uh, in in studio is a major part of that. <laughs> so. We're going to kind of work out the bugs a little bit on the fly, but we're trying to make sure that the changes are uh, fun for us and fun for all of you. So um, you're going to be hearing some new stuff coming up here in the next couple of months to forever. And one of those is you're going to have to listen to me a little bit more than you're used to, which is either going to be a really good thing or it can be something that may be an acquired taste. (laughs) We are an acquired taste. Do you even know yeah, us? Exactly. <laughs> well, the two of you, under, understandably so, uh, have acquired uh, more of a taste for, for me in the in the world that we live in off the podcast, but more in general for the audience who are are only uh, hearing little doses of of me and what I bring to the the podcast in the past. Now, as being more of a uh, more of a presence within the, the show going forward, we'll get to see exactly how acquired the taste for me will be with the, the audience. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> and, and, uh, speaking of which, um, one, one thing that you, well, speaking of your Instagram, Matthew Scrib- uh, Matthew Scribbles, um, how, how's that been uh, going this past month? Uh, well, so far it was uh, it was a pretty good solid start to the new year. Uh, I was able to put in some new things uh, heading into the start of the new year, which I think I may have covered a couple uh, examples of in the uh, the last time that I was here. 
Uh, unfortunately, there has been some uh, some stuff going on behind the scenes that I am currently working on uh, that uh, I have been a little bit excited on. I can't really go into them right now because they aren't fully finalized, but it has kind of taken my focus away from doing any additional writing to Matthew Scribbles on Instagram. However, I do have one example that I would like to share with you, and it usually happens roughly around uh, mid to late January. And for those of you who may be familiar with this, maybe we have some uh, Canadian listeners in our audience. Ah, yes. But uh, we just had uh, what is known as Bell Let's Talk Day, which is a, a mental health awareness initiative that is sponsored by Bell Media in Canada to try to uh, remove or lessen the stigma of what surrounds mental health issues. So they have an initiative where they have the hashtag Bell Let's Talk. And every time that particular hashtag is used in a retweet or a hashtag on social media for Facebook or Instagram or wherever you use your social media hashtags, uh, they will donate money in uh, the effort to do more, uh, to promote more awareness of how important this, uh, this great initiative is. So I wanted to do my part on Bell Let's Talk Day and get, uh, my voice out there to help everyone be aware that, and of course, most people that, uh, may not be aware that this initiative exists since it is, a essentially a Canadian, uh, a Canadian initiative, mm-hmm. but I felt it was important because social media knows no borders to bring that stateside. And I'm sure there are countless uh, writers and poets and artists out there that do the same thing in their social media platforms. But it is something that I wanted to do as well when uh, Bell Let's Talk they came up, and it actually kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, I was actually, in, in full disclosure, I, uh, I wrote this piece while I was taking in Canada's great game of hockey. <laughs> During a break in the action, so how I, fitting, of course. So I wanted to. Uh, it was it was it was a good it was a good marriage between a Canadian a Canadian initiative and in my mind one of Canada's greatest exports, the game of hockey. So I wanted to or, do that or for, or form of therapy. Yes, form of therapy exactly. <laughs> so this one was pretty simple. It was very straightforward. But this is uh, this is what I had for Bell. Let's talk day. Someone is always listening. You are not alone. Let's talk. It's a simple message, and I think that everybody uh, who may feel that they can't talk to anyone, who feel that people may not be out there to hear their troubles or to listen to them, they need that reassurance that someone is listening, that someone does want to hear, hear their voice, and someone is willing to... If need be, stay up till all hours of the night and into the next day to stay with you and be your be your lifeline if it, that's what it comes down to. So many people feel that they are alone in their struggles, even if they're, they are the one person in the room or they're in, to use the example that I, that I uh, shared of when I wrote this, in, a, in an arena, in a stadium full of people, and you can feel like you're the only person there. Yeah. So it's important to have that message be sent out to the world, and hopefully people will receive that. Very nice. 
That's awesome. Some some part some part of me that's paranoid is like, oh, that's a reference to NSA. They're still listening. <laughs> but no, that not that's not it at all. <laughs> no, there's the truth. And, and then the, the truth. truth. <laughs> <laughs> and for for those audio listeners, the first time he said the truth, you know, first time he shook his head, sec- second time he nodded. So, you know, in, in case the voice inflection wasn't enough to, when I've spent way too much, way too much time explaining the bit. <laughs> but anyway, you know, there's, um, there's the truth, the truth and the truth from a certain point of view. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> This is one of those changes that we talked about that you'll have to get used to in terms of acquiring the taste of my uh, my presence here on the podcast. Which which by, we all have twisted sense of humor. So. Which by by the way that that interaction that Matthew and I just just that that's that's about seventy five to eighty five percent of our conversations. So yeah, and I just, can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, speak and. Um, so uh, recently, um, we've had a pa- uh, passing that we want want to touch on, and that's uh, John John Hurt. Um, you'd you you'd be really hard pressed to find a better character actor. Um, the two big pieces I I remember him from, and I know it's a very 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 small small drop in the bucket of of what everything he's done. But um, he w- he was in uh, V for Vendetta, the uh, the big head of the you know the president or whatever of uh, in, in insert ev- evil uh, institution here <laughs> on uh, V for Vendetta and he played the war doctor in the uh, 50th uh, uh, anniversary of Doctor Who and for me he he uh, and I didn't realize this until uh, uh, very recently uh, within the last few years that uh, John Hurt uh uh, had a very small part in Spaceballs when the mm-hmm. uh, the miniature alien came out of his chest, which was a nod oh, to his right. role yeah. that he had of that very same scene, well, that's, a similar scene rather right. in Alien, where the same thing happened happened to him, which is why he said that's the line. Right. I remember that now. That's why I said, "Oh no, not again." <laughs> <laughs> so he had a he had a very wide range. Of course, if you're a fan of Harry Potter, he was of course Ollivander, the purveyor of your magic wands. So he, as Ryan said, he was a very versatile character actor. He touched a lot of lives across a lot of decades, genres and uh, generations. And a man of that particular talent uh, is hard to find in the world of acting and artistry. Very, very much so. So, um, and he he will de- he will definitely be be missed. Um, he's not he's he's definitely not um, one one of the you know t- again he he you're not you're gonna you're not gonna find find him um, in a lot of star starring roles, but like again you there know he's definitely movies I can remember him being in, but it was um, can't even think of the can't even think of the name of them, but I know there are certain roles. I can see it in my head. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, but he, he wasn't, he was more a character actor than he was like this big star. 
Right. But um, the war doctor, I thought he did an incredible job. Alice. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, that just that kind of blew me away. Although I, I would definitely qualify that qualify that as a starring role. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, he's had starring roles. I'm not saying that. Right. Maybe, I mean, um, haven't really followed his yeah, career he's path. Not somebody, to be honest, he's not somebody that I would know right off the bat unless I did some hunting for it. Well, but that, recently, ahead. well, that recently. that role, that specifically the war doctor, I don't believe would have worked with maybe but a handful. Mm-hmm. Of people who were able to carry that type of gravitas that right. the War Doctor's character provided, you can look at A-list British actors like, for example, Sir Ian McKellen, or mm-hmm. you can go down the laundry list and say, "Yeah, that's what would be expected for the 50th anniversary to get some A-list star." But you, as Doctor Who has always really done, you got people who weren't that you know elite. In the acting world, they had people who were good actors and good actresses, but they weren't going to be like your um, what one one would consider to be the uh, the elite of elite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Blue collar, if you will. In a yes, sense. yes, yeah. that's a good way to yeah. put it. And it was a very good uh, uh, contrast to have him with the younger two doctors, Doctor, you know. Uh, David Tennant's doctor uh, and Matt Smith's doctor, and a nice little subtle nod to the end of the show when you had a, a oh, cameo yes. by Tom Baker's fourth doctor. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> to, sh- to show that Doctor Who has grown over the course of now the last 53 years. 54? 53-ish? Give yeah. or take, yeah. yeah. So to have him play that part and to say, well, I can be old but still have my character be reflected in young actors and work alongside Mm -hmm. them not many people can pull that off i'll just never forget the look in his eye his eyes i mean you could just really believe he was carrying all that pain and all that he just did a fabulous job and speak, speaking of Doctor Who, I mean, well, plus we already have the music going, <laughs> is that um, they have announced a new, a new series. Um, it'll be start, uh, for Series 10, and it'll be starting in April, which I'm real excited about because we haven't had any new Who since Series 9 came out in 2015, so I'm getting real itchy. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what happens now in this new series. They've already announced that there's going to be a new companion. And late yeah, breaking news. God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not no. a fan of, yeah. I won't even say her name. Anyway, moving on. That name that we shall not speak. <laughs> Clara. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> and with late breaking news that uh, series 10 is going to be the final series for 13th Doctor in Peter Capaldi. Which I'm kind of saddened by because I've really in, enjoyed what he's what he's brought what he's brought to it. Because um, he's definitely brought uh, he, he's he he's definitely brought uh, more kind of more of the first, second, and third Doctors in in some ways as far as like not necessarily his. Um, 
uh, I, I, well, I don't want to see, see, you know, see, see that he's angry, but um, just like the uh, curmu- the curmudgeon, <laughs> a little more cantankerous, if you will, cantankerous. Thank you. And it's it's weird because there have been times where you could believe that he was the Matt Smith incantation too. Sometimes, yeah, because you can see it in his eyes. He's got that playful side of him. It doesn't mm-hmm. come out very often, but he does have that playfulness too, and. Um, it took me a, it took me what an episode and a half to really get into Peter Capaldi, um, but once I got into him, I was sold. So it just it took me a little longer. Of course, I had issues with Matt Smith too. Yeah, well, jumping from and there were it well there were technical well well the, too, well the issues but, you had weren't had nothing to do with the way he was playing the character. <laughs> well, yeah, kinda because he was so different from Tenet. I mean, he was so radically different because Tenet was always put together, um, well-dressed, well, very, you know, very polished. Do you, do you mean put together visually? Visually. Okay. I, mean, <laughs> I mean... I was going to say... No, he was a little unhinged. But it just, um, he was always that look. And then Matt Smith is so radically different. What sold me on Matt Smith being the doctor, though, had nothing to do with Doctor Who. I watched a movie he was in with uh, Jennifer Connelly, where she basically cloned, she she carried a clone of her dead boyfriend, and he grew up to be Matt Smith. And it was very it was a very creepy role, and yet he did it very well. You could actually, it was very believable, but I realized that Matt Smith could act. He had such a wide variety, and I think that's what really sold me on Matt Smith. Had nothing to do with Doctor Who. But I could. But it took me about half an episode to say, okay, that's our new doctor. All right, I can live with that. So, but Peter Capaldi took a little bit longer, just a little. I'm still working on it with him because Matt Smith was the doctor that brought me back into Doctor Who after decades of not being a part of the show. So uh, when Matt Smith uh, was the doctor, I came back during series six when the plot line revolved around, well, who killed the Doctor? So I had to go back and restart the series from the reboot when Christopher Eccleston started in 2005. Uh And then I started seeing, oh, well, what's this big idea? What's this whole thing about David Tennant? Why is he so popular? And then I started seeing, okay, I I get it now. But it was more with, I, I hold that special place for Matt Smith because out of all of the Doctors that had passed since Tom Baker, who I unabashedly say is my Doctor, that it, it, it took between him to Matt Smith to pull me back into the show. So I have I had a lot of high hopes for uh, for Peter Capaldi when he came on. And in full disclosure, I have not finished watching all of series nine, but from series eight, I'm still I'm still not quite there with him. So maybe by the time that I finish up with series nine and into series ten, maybe I'll come around and have a different opinion. It's not that I think he's doing a bad job, far from it, but I just I just don't have an opinion on him at at this point. He's not my favorite. He's not my favorite. I admit that. And probably some of that is I can't stand Clara. And it's like, if you, it's kind of like your presidential, it's kind of like, I'm sorry. When you choose, when you're, when you're running for president, your first decision is who you're going to have as your running mate. And I feel like the, <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> okay. Rule of the doctor, okay. I can see pick that. Your, you pick your, your companion. And I don't think he chose as wisely as he could have. Although I don't, there are times that I like Clara. 
I just think she overstayed her welcome. That's the problem I really have with her. Is she needed to go a long time ago. It, it, he hung on to her too long. I think part of it, too, and we covered this uh, in, a, in a podcast uh, a couple years now ago, where uh, she was, I mentioned that she was the impossible girl. And yeah. that every human companion re- represents, in my, in my estimation, some sort of flaw with the human race. Yeah, and they essentially turned Clara from the impossible girl who had no flaw with Matt Smith into the just compulsive liar with Peter Capaldi. Right. Yeah, right. And I think maybe that's the problem I have with her because, well, and I have a problem with the way the Capaldi doctor handled that whole situation because they kind of lie to each other. And rule number one: it's <laughs> really, it's really evident. And I hate being lied to. So I'm just like, liar. And I can forgive him, but I can't forgive her. <laughs> and I don't know why. And I can't forgive him because he's the doctor and he's lied the whole time. I mean, he... That's part of his M.O. That's part yeah, of his M.O. Yeah. That's is, rule number one. <laughs> you know, the doctor lies. It's just, you know, it's kind of... So I can think I can forgive him because I kind of expect it from him, but I don't expect it from his companions. And that may be biased on my part just because liars are my pet peeve. And that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and I guess for us as the human audience to find a flaw that we can relate to within ourselves. Right. Cause it's mm-hmm. the, it's our, the companion is, re, is really our door into the, our, our foot into the door of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's kind of our, that's kind of the way we, you know, put, put ourselves in, into the story. And the way, the way that they played Clara in, ser- in Series 7 kind of just threw me off the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, and I'm not saying she doesn't have any redeeming qualities, because she does. I just think that she's been hanging on too long. And that's probably my biggest issue with her, is because I kind of reconciled, okay, she had her reasons for lying. I get it. Because I can, I can understand that. As a human being, I can understand that we're all flawed, but it's just like, will you die already? Will you go away? Will you just go do something else? Go, go <laughs> away. I'm, I'm tired of seeing you. It's just, it, it's, I just feel like it's overstated. It's welcome. At That's least, my opinion. At least in the new reboot, I guess I can't call it new anymore because it's been right. around for 12 years, but uh, we're not used, we're not used to seeing the companions be around for more than a season. Right. And then yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. In in the old in, in class old in classic series that yeah they stayed on a while <laughs> they really did I mean mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Jane stayed on I was gonna both say yeah Doctor Three Doctor Four and then you had a uh, Nisantian and Adric and they, they stuck around for a long time oh yeah right right so I don't I don't know I th- I just don't maybe it's maybe it's because and my favorite companion has to be Karen Gillan. I oh, yeah, Karen, Karen Gillan, yeah. yeah. I liked her the best. Um, because I think some of that had nothing to do with her. I think it had to do with the storyline. That's And that's that's possible. And, and they stuck around for a long time, too. Uh, oh, both, yeah. Both yeah. Uh, Amy and Rory through two mm-hmm. and a half years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I never liked Rose. But I like Rose better than I do Clara. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know... I don't know why. I don't know why, but I just never, I've never, I've never related to Clara like I do the others. I guess that's probably my, but she just needs to go. It's like, 
okay, you had a perfect opportunity to get her off the show, and here she comes right back, and it's just, you know, it's false hope. <laughs> so I'm ready for her to go. <laughs> yes, it will. It will be interesting to see who they, who the next next uh, companion is, and who who they uh, pick as the next doctor. Right. Well, the new companion's already been announced. Unfortunately. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I've I've seen I've seen pictures. I just the name is escaping me right now, but uh, it's it's it is it is another human companion. So uh, for those uh, cheering for another uh, shot for the Paternoster. Uh, Gang to be the companion. Sorry, you're out of luck this time, <laughs> but uh, it'll be it'll be another interesting experiment to see how another companion is inherited to another doctor. Because mm-hmm. we're doing this again. We did it with yeah. Clara from eleven uh, eleven to twelve slash thirteen, and now with the new companion from Capaldi to question mark. So yeah, it's just it, I like. The, and I think it all has to do with the, the writing. I think mm-hmm. that you can you can oversee a lot of your own personal feelings if the writing carries the plot and makes it believable. Well, there's going to be some more changes too because Stephen Moffat's not going to be the showrunner here pretty soon. Interesting. And he's writing some. He's writing for another sci-fi show. Um, well, well, I know he's been quote unquote writing for Sherlock because I mean yeah. I, I know Sherlock hasn't been without a new season for like what twenty years now. Yeah, he's been writing. <laughs> it, yeah, it he's writing like... for Sherlock, and he's I think he's writing for another. It might be Sherlock I'm thinking of, but I know he's writing for another series. So, just to be interesting. So. There, there's going to be some a whole host of changes that are going to be coming our way. That uh, as Doctor Who fans, or they could be very exciting, or they could be absolutely dreadful. But it depends on. It really depends on the staff and the cast. I mean, how they choose to write these characters and how those how those characters are going to be performed. And each one of the doctors, I think, has been consistent with the carrying the characters. Does that make sense? Within their own realm. Yeah, yeah, within their own realm. So I, whoever they have and however it turns out, I think it will be, it'll be an adjustment because it always is. Yeah. But, you know, um, as long as the writing's good and the casting is halfway decent, I think it will be kind of a welcome change. I had heard that there was a much darker element to series uh Series nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is. There, there is. Yeah. Pointedly. Pointedly from eight to nine. And um, it makes it kind of fun to see that come back because the doctor, you know, he's come a long way, but he still gets sucked into the yeah the he darkness of the, the yeah. dark side of himself. And I, I kinda like to see that because you can relate to it gives him that human quality whether he wants it or not but, so. but yeah one one thing i have um well i uh, i don't think i should see yeah as soon as though you haven't watched uh, we don't want to spoil anything to, yeah you. yeah i'm trying now that that's what 
I, well, the next thing I wanted to talk about might have involved some spoilers, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. So, yeah. <laughs> you could do that for our listeners. You can't do that for our co host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not co host and friend. <laughs> Which I appreciate. Thank you. <laughs> but there are some, there's some, I think there's some good things that are going to happen. But I think that not knowing that kind of keeps it exciting too. Well, we're, the question has been put put forth uh, now that uh, the question that may, that must not, not not be asked. Actually, now that you mentioned that, <laughs> because this question came up when Matt Smith said that he was going to be leaving the series, should the Doctor be played by a woman? Yeah, I'm. T- yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm sure the-, the. I'm sure the internet has already half exploded with. <laughs> with, with. I think. I think that it's like that. probably going to. You know, I. I was surprised. Because they did a. a uh, I can say this, um, they did the master as a. Mm-hmm. Female. Uh-huh. As you know, as the mistress or Missy. Yeah. And I. I think that, that is a very good. I really enjoyed that. I by really the way. enjoyed, and I didn't think I was going to like the actress, but it had nothing to do. You could overlook who was playing the part because it was written so well. It was very believable. So it yeah. was very believable, and you were like, "Oh!" And it took me a while. I did not catch on to Missy Mistress. I didn't catch on to that. I wasn't so. It took, I was me, a little it took slow me a bit. Yeah, it took me a bit too. But when they had that reveal, it was like I knew it, <laughs> you know. And it was just, you know, so it it uh, built up to that, you know, that suspense. And I think that was very well played. I think that might have been a test to see. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. If they could do it as a doctor too. Now, if they'll do that or not, they may do it. The next doctor, it may not be this doctor, but I think it's coming. I think it's coming. If they do it, I think it's going to be on a on a milestone year. That they'll either do it for uh, the fifty fifth anniversary or even the diamond anniversary, the sixtieth. Yeah, diamonds I mean, are supposedly a girl's best friend. <laughs> so I think I, th- I think we're being set up for that, but I don't know how soon it'll be carried out because. It's kind of like the world isn't ready for a female president. Well, the world may not be ready for a female doctor quite yet, but we're getting there. We're I'm getting ready there. for one, but yeah. I mean, if it if it uh, if it is the fit, you know, if they're setting up to do it at the fifth, I mean, then I mean, if that's if that's true, then the next doctor will be a woman. So it's just kind of so. um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see if it's a if it is female. It's the role. companion female. Oh. Don't Ooh. reveal that to me. Don't reveal that to me. You know um, who it is. Don't reveal it. Um, or if they'll have a male companion with a male doctor, because they haven't done that in a while. Yeah, they haven't done sin, it. They haven't Rory. done it the yeah. whole. They haven't. Besides Rory, they haven't really done it as a full companion, though. Right, because they had Mickey, Mickey, and and a couple uh, here. Mickey here was there, the closest. But, yeah. Mickey was the closest, and then Rory, but not really the main companion. I would like to see a male doctor have a male companion, because in the original, they pulled that off, and it was very well played. Yeah, and I would like to see that, or same sex, or if it's a woman, have a woman companion. Although there's a, there's a sexual element that could be there with women, that 
I could definitely see. And also you take two strong women, throw them in a TARDIS, they might kill each other. I'm just saying. So it, it you know, it, it would have to, you know, how do you play that off? The Gallifreyan will still live. She'll just regenerate. That's true. <laughs> okay, I have to, I have to correct correct myself. So, um, it for the the fifty fifth anniversary is two thousand nineteen. So Peter Capaldi would have to stay stay on for another another year in order for the next doc, next doctor to be a woman. So, but they could have know. but they could have this doctor be male, right? And then the next doctor be female. So the, so they're going to go the Eccleston route, you know, only have some bring someone on one one year and send, and then and then bring on until they can bring on a woman for, as a doctor. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it, but I I see it happening. I see it happening. Or or maybe they just, you know, take take a year off or something. <laughs> They've done that before. <laughs> yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be fun to watch. I think that as it evolves, but I hate to see Capaldi go. Um, just because he's, I think he's really growing into the role. I'm not sorry to see Clara go. She can go. <laughs> she should have already gone. That's my opinion. And I've been very outspoken about it from day yeah, one. Yeah. Because I yeah, do not so, like. Yeah, I, so have I. I do not like how Clara has. I think she's devolved. I, I think that she was supposed to be this savior, and now she's just kind of. A lying bitch, frankly. That's all I can see her as. And when you start off as the impossible girl, there's really nowhere else to go except down. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think they could have, yeah, if they built up to it, maybe where she had redeemed herself that way, it might have been a little different, but I don't think it would have played out the same. Because I don't think Capaldi's character would have reacted. I mean, I don't think they would have mixed differently. Mm. It would have been different. So I don't yeah. know. Um, but that's kind of predictable. I think starting her out high and bringing her down low is kind of a change from what we normally see. So. So yeah, it'll be. Abounds. Yes. <laughs> so yes, it'll be, it'll be real interesting to uh, see how that kind of take kind of evolves and see, you know, see, see what happens and whatnot. And, uh, one, one thing I wanted to talk, talk about that actually, that actually kind of changed my mind about a couple things was a, um, Scarlett, you actually brought, brought this up with me. Um, usually I'm the one that, (laughs) that brings up, Hey, let's listen to this podcast. (laughs) I actually have a couple of them that I've mentioned that I want to listen to, but we just haven't had the time. But I saw that Joe Rogan did an interview with Henry Rollins. Now, I had a really good friend a couple of years ago, like five or six years ago, who is really a huge Henry Rollins fan. His music, um, his comedy, because he does stand up and he does some other things. He does a lot of spoken word. And I wanted to hear that interview because he's also very, very intelligent. Very, He's not, you wouldn't think of him being a, metalhead i mean you wouldn't well, see him as that well well no i i knew him at you know as a punk rocker see when you mentioned henry rollins and i'm like i don't know because all i knew of him was what during his punk rock days when he was this big in your face aggro le you know punk rock singer and i'm like uh I, you know 
I don't. I, I've I've, but had, I never I've saw had my him. fill. I never fill, saw but. him as that. I always saw him as the poet, the com, the comedian. The, you know, I saw him in that part. I never listened to his music. So I was coming from it from a completely different angle. So I know you had hesitation. I was like, put it on. <laughs> and, I'm, uh, and I'm I'm like, um, are you sure you're not like so when when I when I saw the text, I'm like, um, are you sure this isn't a typo? I mean, you are, are you think you're not? You sure you're not thinking of like Tony Robbins, <laughs> not Henry Rollins? <laughs> I mean, want to listen to Tony Robbins? Thank you. Um, but no, I knew I knew what I was doing. I knew, and we listened to it, and it did change your mind. Well, yeah, because one of the stories he mentioned is how is his um, appro- approach about travel. He's mm-hmm. he, and he travels uh, a lot. Quite, yeah, quite a bit. Like he just like picks a place, just like totally random. He's like, all right, I'm gonna go there, and if, and of course he has the money where he can do that, <laughs> and uh, it's it you know it's not like the you know standard fair insert big big uh tourist city here it's like somalia mid- yeah i mean he goes to places <laughs> it's like middle war-torn, middle yeah war-torn places yeah middle middle of nowhere in sierra leone or mm-hmm. middle middle of nowhere in south africa mm-hmm. middle middle of nowhere in jakarta <laughs> and he like i at at one point he mentioned you know what i i feel like he felt Safer outside of the U.S. and it well in mo- in most cases. <laughs> and he was telling he he was telling some of his stories where there were a couple of times he was in South Korea, yeah, North Korea, North actually, Korea, yeah, North Korea, and he almost didn't get out. So he was telling that about how that was a little harrowing. That he thought he was going to be stuck in North Korea, and well, and it was the the piece of information that would have kept him there that surprised me. He couldn't have revealed that he would that he was a public figure, and he wasn't. He was visiting South Korea, and he had gone to like the building. It's, it's like right, right on the border. Middle. Yeah, it's right in North and South Korea, and they detained him in North Korea, and he just. He was stuck until they said he could go. And so that was very harrowing and how he, but he knew if he, and somebody told him, don't tell them, whatever you do, do not tell them that you're a public figure, that you're in, in entertainment. Um, oh, or, yeah, he, he did mention specifically entertainment. Or you'll never leave. He didn't necessarily say public figure, but... Yeah, in entertainment, you know. entertainment or reporting, and he did both. He, mm-hmm. I mean, and so he was very careful to keep his mouth shut, and, but there were other people who recognized him, who kept coming up. The, some group from Australia came up right. to him and was trying to get his autograph, and, and take, he was take like, selfies and whatnot. And he had to take him. He had to take one guy aside and say, "Look, your group here is going to get me killed. <laughs> you need to call off your yeah. call off your wolves." And so they did. They once they realized how serious that was, they stopped asking. You know, but he did ask. He was asked, "Well, how do you know? You know, how do you know this man?" And and he basically had to lie. Um, the guy covered for him and said, I don't, 
I met him on the bus. I don't know. You know, it was just, it was a weird, and he's had stories like that over and over and over again. Well, he had what another, a similar story. Like he was in like some Mideastern country, like Saudi Arabia or something, or something, or something similar where he, he couldn't, he couldn't say that he, that he was an entertainer. So yeah. Um, but it doesn't keep him from traveling. But yet he, I mean, he met, he mentioned he did, he like go like, like the slummiest slum, (laughs) slum, slum city outside. And you know, like it's like, there's like, no, he's like, yeah, there's no danger, you know? (laughs) Right. And he, he, uh, he just says that for his own enjoyment to go and learn about other countries and, and, um, but he's very well-spoken, very well-read, very very candid yeah I've, i haven't i haven't heard any any of his like q and a's or whatever or whatever he does so yeah um, i don't know i've heard a couple he, of them but it's been a really long time he did he did mention that he's actually gotten more um more death threats in the u.s than he has in any other country which is crazy it's, yeah well not not well look look at our gun laws yeah <laughs> But he's very outspoken too, and he's very he's very blunt. But he's not he doesn't he doesn't use fourth grade language. Let's put it that way. Right. He doesn't right. dumb down to his audience, but he's very easy to understand, and he's very well educated, very well read, very calm, which is not something you would expect. Oh, I know. Looking yeah, at yeah, that's one music. that's one thing that really that really surprised me. So, anyway, it was a good it was worth listening to. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a chance, go to on Joe Rogan and watch the hunt and and listen to the Henry Rollins, Rollins uh, interview. It's like two hours. It is long. It's It's long, but it's worth it. Although we can't, we can't really say anything because look at the length of our previous released episode. We're bad. We know we are. But anyway, I just wanted to. Yeah, I just wanted to throw my two cents in there about. It was worth listening to. It was it was interesting, kind of seeing um, have their them talks um, as for because because of course they're you know they're both entertainers they you know weekends don't exist for them <laughs> and so it's it, it was interesting seeing them talk about the nine nine to five from their perspective and you know when they're they're talking about like the tough stuff that they gone gone through and kind of the headspaces they they were in i'm like yeah that's just like sitting in an office <laughs> you know kind of like the well this isn't this well this isn't the best but it's all i have going right now <laughs> you know it's like well yeah it's not it's not the best sitting in this little little box for company blah 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 but it's all i have going right now you know, it's like, well, I'm, you know, sleep, sleeping in, uh, sleep, sleeping in a van with like four other smell, smelly guys. And we're on, you know, just living on the road, but it's all I have going right now. So it is interesting seeing them talk, talk about it as if from like a diametrically, um, from from a, like a diametric perspective, or a diametrically located perspective, I guess to be more proper, but 
at at the same time, you know, you're you're seeing a lot a lot of commonalities. Absolutely. So, I like it was a really it was a really insightful interview too. So it wasn't because it could have gone the other way where it could have been really boring. But he had a lot on <laughs> Joe Rogan's show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot. He had a lot to say. He had a lot to say, and it was very everything was interesting. So very worth it. And that's something I'll most likely have to look into. I'm not very familiar with uh, Henry Rollins. I mean, I, I know that he is a, you know, a public figure. He is an entertainer. He is a musician. What I did not know about him, I learned uh, actually last April. I was in Nashville for a uh, production of Carmina Burana oh, uh, by uh, the Nashville Symphony. And just leafing through the program book, I discovered that uh, Henry Rollins is actually a very, uh, very prominent supporter of the Nashville Symphony, which, from a, mu- a music, a musical standpoint, would make some sense. But mm-hmm. one would, f- in at least in my mind, I wouldn't have expected the two genres to intermingle with one performance art with another much different type of performance art very much different right but i mean it's not it's not like he's um yes he did do you know uh do was in the punk rock scene but it's not like not 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 to the degree like uh like uh oh shoot um can't think all of a sudden, I can't think of think think of think of his name, and so um, rock guys are going to strike me down at this point. Um, Iron Man, um, Ozzy Black Sabbath, Ozzy, yeah, not not not. He's not like instantly recognizable in the way that you know that Ozzy is. Is that um, he's more he's so he's not like a J.J. Abrams kind of kind of guy. Is more like Kevin Smith. Okay. Where it's like you know, yeah, you're not gonna like if if I say that say that name out in public. I mean, I may get one person <laughs> turn just like, wait, huh? <laughs> Whereas if I say J.J. Abrams, everyone's like, oh yeah. So you know, but it's small. He doesn't let it define him. Right. He doesn't let. There's that too. He doesn't yeah. let anything he does define him. He just does what he does and what he enjoys, and everybody else can be along for the ride. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't let one thing that he does define who he is. And of course, for all I know, there's like like eighty percent of our listeners are big Henry Rollins fans, and they're yelling at yelling at either their iPod or computer screen or however they're listening to us. <laughs> well, that's my you know that's my observation too. So. As as a fan of classical music and performance art, I highly endorse Henry Rollins supporting the Nashville Symphony. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you for your contributions, dear sir. We really appreciate your contribution to fine art. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, because the national symphonies do do a lot as far as community outreach, and a lot of a lot of people have got got have not not necessarily gotten professional, but I mean, they're playing. You know, playing in music does so so much for you know even even just you know again for non professional things that I mean it's yeah, and you can marry. 
the two. I remember when Metallica did their album. That's right. That's with right. The, with the the San, was it San, San Francisco? Francisco. Yeah. The San Francisco Orchestra. Holy crap. Some of the best music I've ever heard. And I love Metallica. Metallica is like old school, my band. But I I love what that recording did. Put a whole new spin on Sandman. I will never forget that. I just, I have that recording somewhere where it just, it blew my mind. And you wouldn't think that orchestra could pull that off. There's a whole subgenre of metal that's uh, mm-hmm. symphonic oh, metal yeah. now. Well, like you were, you were, you were telling us about your, was it? Carmina Bambura or whatever. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah you were, t- your that's Korean, probably wrong. Your Korean metal that you were, t- you were telling us about the band you were showing us last time you were here. Um, off. Oh, yeah. uh, the the Swedish power metal band. Swe- Swedish it. power yeah. metal. Yeah, just totally a different perspective. Yes. The Korean that I'm thinking of is that the the slants that are now embroiled in, in a uh, war for their name, and uh, the Supreme Court, um, which we talked about on our last episode. You probably weren't here when we did that but we were talking about that so that's where i had korean in my oh, head okay they're an asian band yes they're not even fully korean but they're asian and that's what i'm thinking so uh, not to be confused with the band asia ladies and gentlemen <laughs> right <laughs> the slants an asian band yes <laughs> but anyway it's just um it's interesting what's out there that kind of Every time, every time I stumble upon something new, different, innovative that I haven't heard, it just kind of blows my mind that people are coming together doing interesting prog- projects. I mean, who approached Metallica? Did Metallica approach the orchestra? The orchestra approached Metallica. It's just, you know, the chicken come before the egg or the you know, yeah. other way around. So it's just, um, but it always, it always impresses me. It always... It always makes me smile when somebody like that's why I like Papa Roach because if you listen to their lyrics, they come they talk about overcoming addiction and coming out of that, and they're very like they make you think, but yet I love their music too. So I mean, and that's why I'm such a huge Papa Roach fan is because they're they're intelligent and not just screaming into a microphone. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it when people just scream into a microphone. I don't like a lot of rap because they're just screaming into a microphone. Although if you listen mm-hmm. to some rap, rap is uh, rap is becoming very intelligent in some cases. So it's kind of grows on me. It depends. I, I think I, I think it's gotten less intelligent actually. It depends. I think, I think it hit it. I think it hit its peak in like 1998. Um, I think I think it stopped to be. It's they. Yeah, I, for the most I thought, part. I, I thought it stopped being so. You know that. I mean, because at that point, at that point, it was like ur- like urban poetry with a beat. A lot and of then, what I like, and then af- yeah. after, then after that, uh, I think a lot of a lot of them were. It's just like you know, my hoes, my money. I'm better than you because I all have hoes and money. All the and, new rap you know. artists, I don't particularly enjoy, but the old school ones who have been around for a while. Right. Sometimes, every once in a while, about one out of eight of their songs. I can tolerate, and I'm not. I'm not a rap fan. I'm just not. Um, but that's you know. But sometimes you, you can't just exit out because. 
Well, taste taste is it yeah. can be sick, uh, cyclical. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that there may be in a there may be a revival of of that. So, dare I say, uh, to harken back to some classic lines from classic rap, don't call it a comeback. It's been here for years. <laughs> yeah, and that's that is going back. <laughs> <laughs> so it just it's it. I guess that it all depends on your taste too, and what you're. Because I have a very eclectic taste. I can go all the way from classical to heavy metal, mm-hmm. acid. It really depends on my mood. So that's, you know. But um, punk rock has never been my thing. My brother, on the other hand, huge punk rocker. rocker. And the reason why is because when punk hit its peak or was just starting out, he was of that generation, and he ran a, he was he was helping to run a punk rock bar, where he was a bouncer and he managed it, and you know back you know back in the day, back way back in the eighties, so you know, just I think that that's something back that, before it became this what what was called new wave, right, <laughs> right, exactly. So it's kind of it kind of sticks with him. So he really likes like there are certain bands that. I know he enjoys, so I'll get the, I'll get him like the whole collection for Christmas or whatever, and he just or I ask him, okay, what do you want? And he'll tell me exactly what he wants. And I've bought him, I've bought him a couple of sets twice because he plays them so much that they he ruins them. <laughs> so 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 how many boxes of, does he have of the Ramones? <laughs> <laughs> a couple actually, a couple. He likes the Ramones, so yeah. I mean, he's probably got like three or four sets of those and you know just a whole bunch of different kinds so i just when i think of punk rock i have to smile because that's my brother you know but i not my thing heavy metal 80s rock more my thing and i feel old but (laughs) that's my thing you know so well, my you know my my big thing is classic rock. So you know most of the most, a, a lot of a lot of the people I listen to are, have been dead for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> so don't feel bad. But I enjoy I enjoy somebody that comes where you don't think. I mean, it, un, that surprises me. And Henry Wallens has always been kind of that surprise because he is so well spoken. And he is, he's so diverse, he's so diversified mm-hmm. in what he does. And so it was, it was nice to hear the whole interview, to hear everything that he had well, to we say. Didn't quite listen. We didn't quite, we didn't get quite get watch the whole interview just because, About two thirds of it. We got through about yeah. two thirds of it. And um, just, it was, a, it was a nice, pleasant surprise. It was good to see Ryan kind of go, oh, wait, <laughs> this isn't going to suck. Okay. <laughs> you know, so... I felt vindicated. Ha, huh, I do know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> so, anyway, enough on that. <laughs> yes. And I, I think that's a good good place to wrap up. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, men, mental health, a uh, little bit about the career of John, John Hurt, and really went into some Doctor Who, <laughs> and then the Henry Rollins. And, of course... Didn't you know? Didn't really solve anything, you know. <laughs> didn't you know? Not, nothing was really you know. <laughs> but you this know, is different we, from any other time. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, but um, de- 
you guys have fun? Tons. Well, Always. hope I I hope you hope you had had at least as much fun listening to it as we've had recording it. Uh, where can uh, people find uh, Matthew Scribbles? Uh, people can find Matthew Scribbles on Instagram at Matthew Scribbles. <laughs> and we are on Google Play, TuneIn, and, and, and iTunes. Th- those links and any other ways to reach us can be found on our contact page at hovpodcast.net. Cheers. <laughs>